Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codenamed Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codenamed Arate. I'm a blur with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent much of our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This season, we're looking at 16 years of DC animated movies to see which stories are sweet and which ones are sour on yet another DC animated podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year Mortal Kombat Defenders of the Realm started airing. A one season animated series <laughs> where a bunch of guys who don't care about getting bloody fought each other and anyone could die at any moment. Because that's Mortal Kombat for you. It's also the um, the topic of our film today. <laughs> because the, the everybody in this movie is getting bloodied, beat up, coming together for one common goal of being the top member of the Suicide Squad. And ironically enough, this movie is not even called the Suicide Squad. It's called Batman Assault on Arkham. Right. This is the biggest <laughs> joke. Uh, look. <laughs> Even before we dive into the cast list, let's get this right out of the way. This is not a Batman movie. This, this is not. It is not. So technically, we kind of did it. We did a Batman movie without doing the Batman movie. Right. Yeah. So it's like if you if you're like us and you could use a break from Batman every once in a while for in the animated realm, this movie should do it for you because there's hardly any Batman in it. <laughs> I feel like there, which I'm going to talk, this is like what the Suicide Squad 2016 version tried to do. And either way, we will we will talk about. Oh, this. yeah, I have notes on that, too. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we are talking about we're still going through our sweet or sour season with this movie from 2014, Batman Assault on Arkham. Uh, at a runtime of 76 minutes, Jay Olivia is teaming up with Ethan Spaulding to direct the first, as we mentioned, unofficial Suicide Squad film from 2014. Wild. And they had the <laughs> audacity to give this a PG-13 rating. <laughs> I mean, they pushed it. They they definitely pushed it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, another big thing about this movie, which I learned about after looking it up and really paying attention... Did you know this was canon to the Batman Arkham games? What? <laughs> yes. <laughs> this movie is supposed to serve as the bridge between the, the story that takes place between. So just because the, the games came out at different times. So 2009, we have Rocksteady's Arkham Asylum, the very first one. And then in 2013, we had Warner Brothers game Montreal um, Arkham Origins. And they made this movie to help bridge the story between Arkham Origins when since it came out after the first two games and the very first game. So this is supposed to apparently take place two years after the events. Oh, no, two years before the events of Arkham Asylum, but it takes place relatively close after Arkham Origins. Okay. Okay. I mean, there's nothing in there that is like throws it off that much, but just mm-hmm. a weird, very odd choice. Because no one dies that isn't in the game, so... Right. Okay, wow. I did not know that. That bl- blown my mind right now. <laughs> I realized it because when you look at the title card for the uh, for the movie, it's the same style as the game. And I was just like, no, this can't be true. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I can tell now that um, you and I have both played this game like very much so to the point we probably I I definitely had all four what about you uh yeah oh yeah I played I needed the entire Arkham series and I think Origins at least story-wise is an underrated gem I think it gets Mm -hmm. unfair hate um yeah but yeah it's a great it's a great story the whole so now I finally completed the Arkham uh all five (laughs) I finally done it you you did fine you did it yourself you got the affinity gauntlet of Arkham games got it so yes, the main plot of our film, Batman Assault on Arkham, is made famous by another piece of forgotten cinema, Dirty Dozen, 
where the U.S. government decides to contract the worst of the worst of the worst to act as mercenaries for them with the opportunity of taking time off their sentences. If you never watched Dirty Dozen, uh, great movie, but it literally helped to create, I feel, the story that we have with the entire Suicide Squad. And they really, Suicide Squad definitely took it and ran with it. Now onto our cast list. So as I mentioned, this is a connection to the Batman Arkham series. So that's why we have three people that actually um, decided to reprise their roles from the video game into this film. We have Batman being voiced by Kevin Conroy, uh, CCH Pounder, who voices Amanda, who I'm now, because of the fact we're pushing PG-13, um, Amanda, fuck around and find out Waller is her name in this film, I feel. That's our one. That's our one. Mm-hmm. That's our one. <laughs> and then finally, we got Martin Jarvis, who is voicing Alfred Pennyworth in the very small role, but he had a big role within the Arkham series games. Now it's time to go through the cast list of the Suicide Squad, as we have Neil McDonough, a.k.a. Damien Dark, as uh, voicing Deadshot. Hidden Walsh is voicing Harley Quinn. She's one of the many who have like voiced Harley Quinn throughout the ages. Uh, Matthew Gray Googler is the Riddler. Uh, you'll know him from Criminal Minds. Troy Baker, we were introduced to this guy back in the Batman versus the TMNT um, film that we did, where he not only voiced Batman, but he also voiced Joker, who he's also voicing today in our film. Greg Ellis voices Captain Boomerang. John DiMaggio, who usually voices Joker as well, is actually voicing King Shark. Uh, then we have Jennifer Hale, who reprises, who reprises her role as Killer Frost from the DCAU Justice League series. And finally, Black Spider is probably gotten the best casting of all, as once again, Giancarlo Esposito joins the DCAU. And this is him using only 1% of his powers. So imagine mm-hmm. if the DCAU could pull him... Uh, <laughs> Even though there's rumors he's got like some roles in Marvel coming up soon. Um, as I, I don't care, he could be a rock in Marvel. I don't care. It would be the most threatening rock you've ever seen. Uh, so yes. DC, get on it. Use him again because my God, this man is amazing. So good. Honestly, even if it was like, I would wa- I would watch a whole movie about Black Spider if he, if he voiced this character. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so the cast list is set. We have found out some new information about this film, so let's boom tube over to the beginning of our film, Batman Assault on Arkham. We're not wasting any time here because the movie certainly doesn't. We open on the Riddler face-to-face in a riddle battle with Amanda Waller, but she doesn't feel like doing brain teasers. She feels like seeing the insides of Riddler's brain, so she sends an entire SWAT crew (laughs) to kill this one guy... (laughs) (laughs) which they hesitate to do for some reason which is uh, a little odd later on but uh, she sends this whole SWAT team to kill him and just before um, we can his green suit is covered with red Batman swoops in they put on the night vision goggles but that's only so they can see the blows coming (laughs) (laughs) I also do want to point out real quick that Amanda Waller proved that Riddler's kryptonite is Google Um, (laughs) that was the most savage line i've heard in my life <laughs> so batman takes down the entire group of people that amanda waller has sent this sensor into a um angry stage as she decides to invoke priority ultraviolet which i which we then learn is the assembling of task force x aka the suicide squad um, I do want to mention also quick that Batman fought one government goon. All the government goons were ready to kill him, which is a whole other thing. But mm-hmm. um, he did fight one goon who really gave Batman a business. Did this guy work for the League of Assassins <laughs> before he joined Amanda Waller? Because he was he was keeping up. He was like, he's been training this entire time to be the one cop that takes down Batman. And this is it. This was his moment. Um, it did not work out because we had five minutes of Batman just whooping his ass. Yeah. I, I, I'm telling you, though, he should be hired for Batman Incorporated as an extended Batman <laughs> character. He is, he's got potential. But in any case, he's Batcop. <laughs> Batcop. He could, he could do it. <laughs> Detroit needs a Batman. In any case, the. We find out Project Ultraviolet has been activated, and it's a very fun montage. We get to see mm-hmm. each of the villains that will be on Task Force X. Um, they are doing committing the crimes. Either they're getting arrested, or we're just seeing an example of their powers. And this immediately is, as we 
recently mentioned where you can tell 2016 Suicide Squad was trying to go with their three montage sequences at the beginning <laughs> of the movie. Um, this movie does it in one, and I think it does it excellently. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think one of my favorite scenes from the montage actually is, um, so Harley Quinn is uh, unsure of where she is exactly, but she is on her phone watching the Looney Tunes. So way to go there, Warner Brothers with your product placement. As this woman comes up to her and takes her phone away because it's, you know, possibly that it's too loud or anything like that. In the next frame, we see that this woman is running out because Harley Quinn has pulled in a Vander Holyfield or rather Mike Tyson and <laughs> bit this woman's ear clean off. So we're already seeing now that this isn't your, your regular DC animated film where everything is like solved with capes and heroes. People are getting ears ripped off. Yeah, you saw King Shark covered in blood. And I have a tie to favorite parts of the montage. One is KG Beast, because this man is oh so extra. <laughs> <laughs> this man rides up to some kind of fortress with a, a motorcycle and a sidecar. He shoots the sidecar <laughs> as a missile at the door, backflips a hundred times to kill like one dude. Bro, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, he also jumped out of the plane and the motorcycle had a parachute. Yeah, what and is this? Where, where, this is a gross misuse of, of resources, <laughs> but I love it. Yeah, I've, he is so extra, my God. And then uh, it is tied for when we are introduced to Deadshot, he manages to get his hands on a pen. That's all he needs to defeat mm -hmm. his two guards. And then you see a doctor go like, oh, no, don't hurt me. And Deadshot's like, all right, I'm not going to mess with a doctor. And then the doctor turns around, hits him with the syringe in the greatest anime betrayal of the 21st century. Like, this <laughs> this was amazing. <laughs> this was, somebody call an ambulance for you. <laughs> Just for he looks like the guy. <laughs> Once again animation car, car, um, comic book characters just bring it to life predicting the future just i love it i this is a great this is a great montage scene just in general like if, if you don't end up watching the rest of the film just watch this montage scene and you get a sense of who each person is yeah it's so efficient you automatically know what you're dealing with um so yeah it's very impressive what they managed to do in a short time so now that we've met our Suicide Squad here, or Task Force X, they all wake up inside a um, white, just giant, basically a giant cell. And um, they're all confused as to why they're there. We see that it's Deadshot, Black Spider, Captain Boomerang, uh, Harley Quinn, KG Beast, Killer Frost, and King Shark. And uh, King Shark, I feel, has some issues because my dude's first initial thought when he was trapped around all these people was to grab Killer Frost to try to eat her. Yeah, bold move. And that's going to be a very cold mm. dinner. That's a frozen dinner mm. right there. Oh, that was the good one. That was <laughs> the good one. Uh, but she immediately attacks uh, King Shark, letting him know that if he ever puts his, her, his hands on her again, uh, she'll, she'll definitely give him more. Uh, so now KG Beast, he's trying to punches way through the cell. And this is when Amanda Waller comes through and explains why they're all here, gives them a chance to kind of introduce themselves to one another. But the main thing is that she has a mission for them as members of Task Force X. And that mission is to break into Arkham and recover the thumb drive that was connected to Riddler's cane. And this is the reason why she was sending a, ta a task force originally to take down Riddler. Yes. And because of the Suicide Squad movie, there always has to be one person that does not buy that mm -hmm. Amanda will blow up their heads if they don't listen. So this time, sadly, the most extra member, KG Beast, tries <laughs> to escape and he finds out when his head is gone. That's not going to happen. So right after all the rest of the Suicide Squad members agree to the mission, they're knocked out again. And they wake up in a mysterious location. And during this uh, scene of character development, we find out that Harley really wants to hang out one-on-one -on -one with Deadshot. Like, she is throwing it 
all out there. Every single line that she has has been is being said. And Deadshot's just, you know, saying that he's not he's not interested. To which obviously Captain Boomerang being who he is decides to shoot his shot. She shoots him down, letting him know that if he's ever interested in doing something like that, he needs to take it over to wave it in front of the sharky boy because he may be interested. The shark, King Shark sharply declines. And before this conversation can get any more out of hand, it's revealed that they're on a plane. So their seats are strapped to each other. Mm-hmm. But when they're dropped from a plane, they split off into individual units with individual parachutes. Um, what? How much did this cost me in my tax dollars to figure <laughs> out? Because... <laughs> Why not just drop them with parachutes? What what was what is these extra steps here? <laughs> I don't know. That's this the end is, goal. <laughs> yeah, like either here if we were at this level with KGBs and his like parachute motorcycle air like ground to air missile sidecar, and now we have the U.S. the U.S. government using our tax dollars to just make a point. As Amanda Waller points out, she's like drops them from the sky doesn't give them a chance to use the parachutes. But I do need to know how much this does cost. Was it like a Wayne, Wayne Enterprise device that, that was just like commandeered? Or, you know, like did the pothole that I wanted to fix on my block, is this the reason why it's been delayed for so long? Hey, Batman using this for the Bat family. But at the same time, <laughs> yes. Half of, your, half of it was funded by that pothole. And uh, speaking of potholes, they get real up close and personal as... Um, you know, a few of them do land very sharply. A few of them land on their feet. King Shark, unfortunately, collides with Killer Frost. It's the two of them have one of many embraces that they'll have throughout the rest of the film. And Harley somehow lands on her head. Um, she does not die. So we are, she's still, she's still alive. She's still alive. Miraculously. Um, mm-hmm. And because they're in Gotham, because they have to get into Arkham Asylum, but they don't want to piss off Batman. They have to do super sewer time sewer, is back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have a Batman film without sewer time. <laughs> yeah, it is. It and they acknowledge Boomer's like, oh man, I, I well, we have to be in a sewer, which I'm happy someone acknowledges how bad it is. But at the same time, they're like, you you wanna you wanna fight Batman? You wanna take your boomerangs over to Batman? <laughs> and he's like, you know what? Fair point, fair point. Uh, and they do this to get to the iceberg lounge where Penguin is eating just raw fish, which just can't be good for you. And not even like, you know, like cooked it up like ceviche or did it like sushi. It's just straight up fish from the, from the, from wherever he baked it up. Speaking of, I don't think anybody should be eating fish from Gotham Harbor, given everything that's probably spilled in there throughout time. No, 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 no. God, no. (laughs) It will explain why a lot of these fish were like grossly big, though, that he was eating. Um, they got some toxins yeah yeah (laughs) but that is besides the point because uh penguin decides uh, even though at one point he is willing to kill harley because of the fact of a previous scheme that went wrong with her, her and joker uh they calm everybody down as the whole squad heads on over to get their equipment um they're soothing up the king shark he apparently wears dentures uh that basically give him razor sharp sharp teeth and there is one thing that we do, I do want to point out because at the beginning of our film, uh, Amanda Waller t- insists that Deadshot only use rubber bullets and he sees them. And he's like, nah, let me get those high velocity ones instead. I, I do like that. I do like that little little act of defiance. Like, you going to check mm-hmm. me? People going to die. So after boomerang makes the dumb decision to play dead shot and darts what are you doing man come on now i don't know you, don't you know, know. <laughs> um dead shot goes back to his hotel room to find harley is there and not wearing anything <laughs> mm-hmm. she left her super suit behind <laughs> oh yeah it's just a birthday suit today um mm-hmm. and after a second of hesitation dead shot says you know what let's go for it now, here's two things about this situation. One, Deadshot made the right choice. Denying Harley Quinn this <laughs> is much worse than saying you did. Like, the Joker might kill yeah. you later, but Harley would kill you now. So, you know mm. what? Go for it. 
Two, this scene is extremely ironic because the actor who plays Deadshot will also plays Damian Dark, specifically because of his faithfulness to his wife, will not so much as kiss a co-star on screen. Look at any show he's done, it's not gonna happen. Um, he does. He gets away with it all the time and even had to leave his show when they demanded he perform in sex scenes and he was like, absolutely not. So the irony of him playing a character that has sex with Harley Quinn is beautiful. Not judging his choices. I, I just think it's ironic. I, I did not know that. That, <laughs> wow. Take that, Sean. Ben. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, we, um, we see our first hook up in the Batman Asylum Arkham film as but there is that one point though where we do see that there is one member of the Suicide Squad who seems to be given a separate mission by Amanda Waller but that is something for a later part of our story because we find out that it's now time for Suicide Squad to enact their true plan of getting into Arkham which is Harley committing a crime so as to bring Batman out. And this is when it's revealed that Waller had mentioned earlier that Batman is going to be distracted from their true plan. So, and that plan ends up, we find out, is that Joker has somehow planted or found a dirty bomb and has planted it in the city and Batman's on a time crunch looking for it. So he's not going to care about the Suicide Squad's attempt to take out or find Riddler and this device so when he comes upon Harley, the first thing he does is immediately question, where's the bomb? Where's the Joker hiding it? I know that you know. And the entire squad is just confused as heck at this point. Yeah, and Batman uses his portable lie detector to figure out that Harley, <laughs> he has Again, one. What is, what is the income? What is the income of Batman? Where, this is a gross misuse of technology now at this point. Where is this going? I... I just don't even know. I, and um, but he he confirms Harley has no idea where Joker's placed this bomb. So he just hauls her off, sends her off to Arkham Asylum, which was their plan all along to get Harley into Arkham Asylum because she knows it top to bottom. And while the rest of the members infiltrate in various um, parts of the facility, including Boomer going into the Arkham Asylum morgue. Why Why do y'all have that? I have no idea. Um, this is some, one of those things that I wish they explained. To be honest, I'm actually glad it's Arkham Asylum's morgue versus Bell Reeve, where they usually keep all the superpower criminals outside of Gotham. So at least we know that maybe, maybe Arkham is going to be a little respectful towards the dead bodies of the supervillains that are plaguing Gotham City. Um but uh, I was quickly proven wrong in a couple scenes <laughs> that happened later on. Um, but as that uh, Deadshot pretends to be an officer to take in Harley, Boomer pretends to be a, uh, a EMT person bringing Killer Frost's cold, dead body. I put that in quotes uh, to the Emmy. This is this next person. This size is the hardest role to get in to Arkham for him would be to take out a cook and he pretends to be a cook in Arkham Asylum. And I do have to question, do they like create meals that are catered to like certain inmates? Like, is there an inmate who's just like, I'm vegetarian. And this is why we have such a big, like there was, there were a lot of cooks in this, in this asylum, to be honest. Yeah. There, there was a lot of cooks and also black spider. He just straight up killed a cook. Like the cook, didn't do anything Shit, yeah. wrong. Like he he's definitely not a criminal. Like you just straight up murdered this man doing his job at his like probably minimum wage job. Holy camoly, black spider, Jesus. He was like, I know you burnt the steak the last time around. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so along the way uh, of the mission, a key part is trying to disrupt the security system at a spot conveniently next to Joker's cell. So Joker, in a really interesting exchange, Joker like points out, it's pretty much open about his treatment of Harley Quinn, about mm -hmm. you know doing horrible things to, of nature to her. And Harley Quinn is tr trying to stick up for herself, but eventually 
she kind of loses her mind and takes the shotgun and tries to shoot Joker in his cell. Yes, but unfortunately for her, as she's running up towards it, um, the cell door itself is actually bulletproof glass. So now everybody is going crazy because they're trying to complete the plan. While So some of the shots that Harley gives off, they end up bouncing off and conveniently uh, creates a creates enough damage for Deadshot to plant a device that would help with their plan. All while distracting them long enough, distracting everybody else long enough so that the device can work to give Spider, Black Spider, the access that he needs in order to invade uh, for his key card to work and for the report to come in that Boomer bringing in um, Killer Frost's body is actually authentic. This leads into the next stage of their plan, which is basically bringing Arkham down. Yeah, and this is where things get really violent. Uh, Killer Frost gives another guy just doing his job the icy kiss of death um well actually so this is actually my point from before where there was like they'll probably take care of the body um the look in his eyes i was a little worried about what he had planned well <laughs> yeah, killer frost's yeah. Body. He did, yeah yeah he did look at killer frost uh, you know he did take a, a little bit of extra peek there he then he should have uh, uh, that's granted so of the, <laughs> of the gotham employees who deserve to die uh he was probably the most deserving um <laughs> another person who dies and this i i've never gone from laughing to horrified so quickly but as they're letting king shark in through the basement um oh God, yeah. <laughs> the security guard comes in is like hey you guys having a party down here and they're all <laughs> pretending like oh it's a party and then he comes down and goes hey what kind of party you guys going down down here and immediately he sees harley quinn's back tattoo and then he's immediately devoured by King Shark. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't even know what. To, wait, I just have to bring it up. I don't. I don't even know what to say about it. But it, it's just amazing. <laughs> this is this is another example of just like y'all don't. It's it's just like from Superman, Batman, Apocalypse. Don't be led astray just because you see a naked body. Yep. So now, as the team has assembled. Um, they decide to their uh, black spider put some utensils in the microwave causing a bomb to go off in arkham asylum this gives everybody an opportunity to um take down basically the all the guards that are there and giving them access to the control room where now they're freaking out they're getting called by amanda waller asking she's asking for updates because things clearly are messing up on her end of everything. But at the same time, they're just like, no, we don't want to keep on listening and trying to adhere to Amanda Waller's rules and regulations. So they were trying to find a way to hide what they're doing. And this is when King Shark comes through with the genius idea of replaying yesterday's footage of Arkham so that everybody outside of Arkham will only see, it's a Friday, they'll only see like things that happen on Thursday. Yeah, look at the big brain on King Shark. Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, and I I love this idea. It's so simple, so brilliant, and it um to loot the cameras. And so, as they're despite their plan, they still have to go into a crowded courtyard, where unfortunately they break cover. Um, King Shark just wants to prove he's the most jacked, so he's running ahead <laughs> and uh, mowing through security. Boomerang, the two-bit C-lister, <laughs> as Deadshot <laughs> describes him, is doing his work. But outside of Arkham Asylum, after Batman effortlessly stops Zaz, just minimum <laughs> effort, we get the funniest line of this movie. The I, I still laugh every time I think about this, where upon hearing there's a yellow alert at Gotham, Batman looks at the footage for about five seconds and says, Wait a minute, that's Gary. He doesn't work on Thursday, Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that Batman has memorized who works at Arkham Asylum on which days and it 100% is something he would do is too genius. It's it's too it's too smart. It's just too smart. <laughs> Here here's Batman on his undercover boss skills. This is this is the next set of stuff that he has. <laughs> and I do love it too cuz immediately He's just like, everything's going wrong at Arkham. And he just puts the car in gear and drives off to head on over. As now, 
they have taken down basically the suicide squads, taken out everybody that they need to take out. So they're heading over to uh, basically it was like evidence lockup kind of for the for the facility. Um, this is where it's is first explained, finally explained to the team apparently that um, they didn't know that Harley was a psychiatrist. And I do love this one joke because she tells us that you know she worked in Arkham, she knows all the security codes and all that. And she mentions to Boomerang that, you know, for someone who uses boomer, uses Boomerangs, it might mean that you have some issues with letting things go. So now they enter the evidence lockup. They find everything they need. They come across some new things, too. Like Harley finds her mallet. Um, Killer Frost finds Mr. Freeze's gun. There's a fun little Easter egg set of things where we see some old kind of style Batman villains like Killer Moth, Firefly, Max's Zeus. Uh, and they finally find Riddler's cane. However, upon finding Riddler's cane, they also find Batman's hands as he is throwing it at every single one of them. Yeah, and because the Arkham storeroom is as big as an Ikea warehouse, there's plenty of room for them to fight. How many prisoners do they get? <laughs> Would they need all the space? Um, <laughs> like <laughs> Too many, clearly. <laughs> that, it was a whole warehouse. And Batman, in this movie... Batman is the most lethal I've ever seen him. Not because he kills people, but for the fact that he is stomping the squad. Like, Mm. there's like 20 people against him. He don't care. He's stomping everybody. (laughs) He even, in the most savage takedown I've ever seen Batman do, he takes an electric, a set of electric knuckle dusters and punches King Shark right in the nuts. And if you're a fan (laughs) of Harley Quinn, the phrase (laughs) King Shark says on that show, oh no, my two penises. (laughs) fits so perfectly here oh my gosh it was all foreshadowing all along (laughs) so now that king shark is down for the count um at this point now things are going crazy where things are getting destroyed beams are getting demolished so unfortunately this means that the evidence lockup is falling apart so the entire suicide squad tries to make their way out but they look behind and they see that black spider has Batman wrapped up and is about to kill him, but they don't see anything after all the stuff falls over, the dust is building up, and they're just thankful at this point that they were able to make it out alive. Um, This here leads into probably the most shocking moment of our film, Um, you know, besides the the shocking moment of when King Shark got his nuts shocked. But here we have that Black Spider walks out with Batman's belt. Meaning that somehow, in some way, Black Spider took down the Cape Crusader. Yeah, and things are only getting worse because Joker finally uses some wiring inside that got loosened up thanks to the gunshot from earlier and finds a way to escape his cell. And sadly, this does mean that Smitty, the security guard, does die Mm -hmm. when he comes across the Joker. So, you know, a moment of silence for Smitty. The most developed character in this movie. Holding up for you, my boy. No, it's Mitty. They did give him a nice little, uh, nice little conversation before Joker savagely killed him. Um, mm-hmm. But we, meanwhile, speaking of actual character development, it's established earlier that King Shark is afraid of heights. So when they get on this bridge that is constructed in the middle of Arkham Asylum for some reason, why is there a high bridge inside of Arkham Asylum that has no OSHA clearance? (laughs) (laughs) I I blame too much like trying to make the movie look like the game because I like vaguely remember that bridge from the game. And I was just like, this this needs to be in our movie, though. (laughs) Why do y'all need this in a a prisoning, like a prison for anyway? um, (laughs) So because King Shark is afraid of heights, um, they blindfold him while Killer Frost guides him on the back to get across this bridge. And he ables, he's able to get through all the security. And once the squad is clear, they decide to see what Killer Frost is up to. Because at one point, they realized that the cane doesn't have anything in it. And then this is where we find out about the second mission that's a part of um, that Killer Frost was informed of by their secret conversation with Amanda Waller, where she now has been contracted to kill Riddler. However, Riddler reveals that um, 
he actually knows how to get rid of the bombs planted in their necks because he too was once a part of Project Ultraviolet, a.k.a. Task Force X, better known as the Suicide Squad. So as they all gather together and realize what's truly going on and how that Amanda Wall has been playing them this entire time, they decide, let's listen to Riddler so that we can finally, you know, we're already out. Let's try to truly free ourselves from Amanda Wall's grasp. And they head on over. Um, we have Riddler, Deadshot, Killer Frost, uh, King Shark, Boomerang, Harley Quinn, and Black Spider. who are all heading over to get rid of the bombs in their neck in the electrotherapy room. In the meantime, we have Joker still walking through. And then also we see that Batman has actually survived and that he is really hurt at this point. He's trying to make his way out, but he's grasping against the walls. He doesn't really know where he is. Unfortunately, this leads to him coming face to face with Joker. Yeah, and this is a great uh, dual scene because as he's coming face to face with Joker, the the uh, other members of the task force are getting uh, their bombs in the necks electrocuted so they can get defused while Black Spider keeps lookout. And at one point, Waller says, nobody screws the wall. And I love her nickname <laughs> for herself and detonates the bombs. Now, unfortunately, King Shark's neck is too thick um, because he is the most jacked character and the electricity doesn't get to his bomb. So he goes bye-bye, and the bomb explodes in his head, killing him. Meanwhile, Batman's head suddenly explodes too, which prompts the Joker to look at the head and go, (laughs) Denzel, what have they done to you? (laughs) (laughs) Now, is this line racist? I would argue no, because he was very specific about his Black reference. (laughs) (laughs) Well... The funny thing is that even though it was not Denzel, it was actually the real Black Spider. And this is where it's revealed that upon seeing that uh, King Shark's head had exploded and the rest of them were good, everybody's shocked to see that Black Spider still seems to be standing, you know, pretty well intact. And this is when Riddler reveals, realizing that Black Spider is actually Batman in disguise. And I do have a question here because, um, you know, one, how did Batman change their costumes? Like, because he apparently looks like gave gave him a full full mask, like full costume change between <laughs> the two of them. Somehow, Batman's able to pull off his black spider mask to reveal that he has another Batman mask underneath it. Okay, not only that, I can accept after he had the extra set of wings for for um. Mm-hmm. Uh, which oh yeah, the uh, the Hawkman for public, public enemies. enemies. Yeah, yeah. So he, he <laughs> carries around a spare of Hawkman wings. We know that. But how did he pull off the voice? Is yeah. Batman <laughs> like a, a master ventriloquist too? How did he sound like Giancarlo Esposito? Like how did he? How did he sound like Esposito? Like how did he do that? And on top of all of that, to keep up this ruse. Remember, up until from the point Black Spider emerges from that room to now, the other Suicide Squad members have been killing people. And Mm -hmm. Batman has let them kill people this entire time. (laughs) This Batman is a straight savage. And I will be taking no questions at this time about how savage he is. Damn. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to kill you. But apparently he truly won't save you either. (laughs) So... Now everybody just leads into a full-on fight where the Suicide Squad is trying to um, make their way away from, you know, Black Spider-Batman here. As now they've also, now he's demanding for them to explain why they're in Arkham and everything. Unfortunately, though, this leads into Joker finding him, finding all of them as Joker attacks Batman leading to now the Suicide Squad, trying to figure out what's their next stage because, yes, they are free, but now Joker has, like, basically kind of taken Batman off the off the table, but they have to deal with now the fact that Joker is a little 
little upset about that shot touching his stuff. Yeah. And that he nearly just straight up shoots Deadshot in the face, but Deadshot is able to fake him out by saying there's not enough bullets in the gun to do that and get a little bit of extra advantage. Um, so it, once Joker realizes he has lost this round, he escapes with Harley, where we get one of the craziest twists I've ever seen in a DC movie is that the dirty bomb we've been looking for is inside Harley's mallet. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> <laughs> First off, I was not, I figured that a dirty bomb would have been much bigger than that. Um, secondly, Harley has been waving that mallet around like crazy. So I have no idea what the padding is like on the inside of that thing, but that needs to be patented in some way, shape, or form because that, that bomb was not. <laughs> Sorry, no, I said I was just going to need that for the voiceover closet. If, if we're selling those, give me that. Yes, yes, very true. You know, make that real. Please don't misuse our dollars anymore. Make that real. So now that Harley has joined back up with Joker, um, it's up for basically now we have we have Killer Frost, uh, Deadshot, and now also Captain Boomerang, who are trying to make their escape out of Arkham. However, Joker decides, you know, he's going to make things a little bit more complicated for the people outside as he releases from their cells Two-Face, Bane, Scarecrow, and Poison Ivy as a way to distract them so he can escape. They all kill people in very brutal ways. And why the mm-hmm. hell Bane is set to get Venom automatically upon release yeah. is something they need to talk <laughs> with Hugo Strange about because that is not a good idea, bro. Um. And this sequence is wild. Like I said, all the villain escape villains kill people in various ways. It gets to a point where Batman stops to stops for a second to stop Bane. And Jim Gordon says, yo, Batman, we're good. We got this under control. Do you, though? <laughs> like, if it was just Two-Face escaping and then Bane was down, I believe you. But what are y'all going to do with Poison Ivy? How are y'all going to handle that situation? Mm-hmm. We'll find out. He was already taking care of all of them. Like a lot of them were getting that hypnotized thing, the the pheromones thing. So he's a damn good cop, I guess. (laughs) Uh, But also, we do lose another member of our Suicide Squad here during the um, during the battle as uh, Bane grabs the car that Killer Frost is trying to use to escape and throws it at some of the cops, causing it to explode. So now only Deadshot and Captain Boomerang are left on the Suicide Squad as the as the two of them steal a helicopter. However, they're both fighting against each other because uh, Captain Boomerang doesn't want to be the one that ends up being killed. He mentions that he's going to be the one to survive all this. Um, and then Batman using once again his um, what was it his lie detector super um super eyes he's able to notice that there are there's more than one person alongside that shot after um he notices that there are two more people on there and he realizes that that must be joker and harley so he calls over the batwing we're not talking about luke fox we're talking about the actual plane to keep up with the helicopter for the final confrontation of our film also um let me let me pitch you something. Harley Quinn and Joker escaping from the Suicide Squad in a helicopter after Harley gets her bomb defused. That sound familiar to you? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, 2016 Suicide Squad tried to do this plot point, but um nope. <laughs> they didn't pull it off. Um while you recover from that <laughs> we'll get to oh my right like how just go just go i'm, I'm done with the <laughs> so the helicopter crashes into a building um leaving batman to follow and chase after harley who has the dirty bomb meanwhile joker and deadshot decide to fight it out for the fate of harley quinn and my God, does Joker in this series have hands and knives? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because we got the first viewing of Death by a Thousand Cuts here. Uh, as, you know, Deathshot is holding his own, but he's getting stabbed, cut up, basically eviscerated almost. 
And luckily, though, Deadshot does prove to be the better hand-to-hand fighter as he's basically taking Joker, throwing him down to the ground as a suplex and just, you know, beating him through the floor. Um, And it ultimately leads into, you know, Harley even tries to jump in, but Batman's able to to knock her out and disarm the bomb. And Deadshot then pulls the pin that Joker had connected to him for a bomb to kicks him inside the helicopter as it's falling down to the ground. And we see now that Deathshot has successfully or somehow successfully killed the Joker. Yeah. And uh, that happy ending, <laughs> first of all, when Batman sees that, he's like, great. Yep. Uh, <laughs> this man is a savage. <laughs> I'm telling y'all. Um, but the movie winds up with Batman threatening Waller about ever trying to pull that Suicide Squad mess again with his tax dollars. And <laughs> just when Waller is like, the wall got the upper hand, Deadshot, from miles away, lets Waller know that he has an eye on her with a sniper rifle. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the end of our film, Batman Assault on Arkham, a.k.a. the unofficial first Suicide Squad animated film. Uh, so now, before we go into whether or not this 2014 film has remained sweet or soured over time, here is a podcast episode from the Forgotten Entertainment family that you should be listening to the next time you're not listening to us or, you know, when you're not locked up in Arkham. Hello, my name is Andrew Morgan. My name is Shane Beauregard. And my name is Chris Frodell. And together, we form like Voltron to make a brand new entertainment and pop culture podcast called Recent Activity. Every Wednesday, we will bring you deep dive reviews of the hottest titles from around the film and TV world, previews of the next big things to add to your watch list, or do fun things like top five lists, movie drafts, or anniversary celebrations of your favorite classic films. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Starting May the 11th. All right. So, Andrew, in 2014, we saw Batman Assault on Arkham. And this film let went on to inspire the um, you know, the 2016 <laughs> Suicide Squad film, even though they kind of dropped the ball there. Um, what do you think? Has this film remained sweet or has it soured over time? All right, right here. Um, as the first Suicide Squad film, it is a sweet opening to this world of Suicide Squad. I think it is, not that it has a lot of competition, but it is the definitely the third best <laughs> Suicide Squad mm-hmm. movie right after, um, the, oh, one day we should argue, is Hell to Pay or 2021 Suicide Squad a better movie? That's some discussion mm. for another day. But mm-hmm. let's focus on this movie. Once again, as you might have noticed is a theme with me in particular, if you're going to get crazy, absolutely crazy in a DC movie, go all out. And this movie does. I mean, you got Batman punching King Shark in the nuts. You got a dirty bomb <laughs> inside of a mallet. You got Joker make, name dropping Denzel Washington. It is balls to the wall action. Almost every member of the squad ends up dead, which is more than you can say for most Suicide Squad outings, period. Um, I think the 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 amount of people dead at the end of a Suicide Squad movie is proportional to how good it is. So if, mm. if most of your team survives, it's a bad movie. But if like the more people die, <laughs> <laughs> if there's one person left, you've done it right. Um, but overall, does is the plot airtight? No, but it, it, you'll have such a good time here. It doesn't matter. They take advantage of the violence. All the characters are very animated, unique. No two villains are exactly the same and everyone gets a moment in the sun. So I, I think the crazy, it's so crazy. It's so fun. You can't, you gotta love this movie. And the best part of it all is it's called Batman Assault on Arkham. And once again, who cares about Batman? It's all about the squad here. And they did an excellent job. Uh, what do you say? I agree with you hundred um, percent. I've always loved this movie. It's one of the first, um, well, sorry, not one of the first, but it's one of my favorite movies I ever bought from the DC animated world that I actually still have on DVD. Um, 
and I've always loved watching it. And to find out that it was so connected to the games that I also love playing the Batman Arkham series, that makes it even sweeter for me. So I also agree that, you know, we're, we're, the, the, the plot isn't airtight. There, there, there's definitely some loose ends. There's things that you do have to question, um, you know, like why Black Spider decided to kill that cook. We'll never know. <laughs> But you know what? At the end of the day, I'm not here for those like deep philosophical questions when I know that at the end of this film, everybody's going to die. And the only thing that I probably really had a problem with was the um, the Yahtzee catchphrase that Harley had. Oh, yeah. It get a little annoying after like the third, like the fourth time. It's like she was trying to make fetch happen. Um and it, it just wasn't working. But other than that, I loved every single character. I think the dynamics work really well between um, who they had. And it's just really funny also thinking about the pairing that could have happened between uh, Killer Frost and King Shark of them finding love somehow. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe they could have found a love as toxic as Joker and Harley Quinn's, which I do respect that this movie did have a moment where Harley does go back to Joker because it, mm-hmm. it kind of recognizes the reality of mm-hmm. how hard it is to leave this kind of very abusive relationship and how easily she falls back into it. Um, yeah. And she falls back into it because her life is, she will literally die if she doesn't in this situation. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a nice, um, very, very punchy statement that kind of respects um the dramatic potential of these characters in their relationship. Um, I I will say as my only Arte alteration, I would shorten it a little bit. I felt mm. like the ending, there are multiple endings to this movie <laughs> where you're like, oh, the prison break is the end. Oh, nope, nope. And then it's like, oh, it's a helicopter escape. Nope, nope. It's a helicopter fight after they land in the building. Nope, it's Amanda. Well, it has a lot of endings. I think we could yeah. shorten that up a little bit. Um, after Joker hijacks the plot, we get it, but you could you could a little shorter, a little little bit. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I did feel like there. Were, you're right. There were a lot of moments in there. It was just like a concluding piece of it, and I feel like yeah, definitely with the for me, I feel like the best ending like would have been the um you know like Joker falling to his to his death um, because it is mentioned that again because it falls within the Arkham series universe. Um, Joker does survive his and Waller does explain that his body wasn't found during the crash how he escaped I don't know but you know like at the end of the day it did feel like that would have been a perfect end and maybe this like scene with um, Deadshot having the the rifle the you know the the red dot on Waller being like a post-credit scene would have been cool but yeah I agree we could have ended it at several moments but either way I will always appreciate the fact that um you know, we got a chance to see just so many creative, weird deaths. And, you know, especially to KG Beast and our boy Smitty. Oh, Smitty. Mm-hmm. What a real one. <laughs> real one for real. <laughs> All right. So now it's time for that comic book knowledge, which um, if you want to know more about the Suicide Squad, just head on over to our episode on Suicide Squad Hell to Pay, where we covered the history of the squad. <laughs> um some of the some of the members that we've that we come across, some of the histories on them. Um, I do I do want to point out that like there was actually one character who I did like, and it's not just because of the voice acting, but Black Spider. I think did the it was a parallel I feel between um, him and Bronze Tiger from the Hell to Pay movie. So it was kind of nice to see that same kind of dynamic play out there. Yeah, and I I did I did clock that. Yeah, thank uh, you reminded me. Thank you. That's such a good one. Um, yeah, it definitely like he had a thing where it's like I don't. I don't kill degenerates. I don't work with degenerates. Mm-hmm. I kill degenerates. And I'm like, bitch, you are a degenerate. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, look, look at these two pictures and tell me what's the differences. They're the same picture, sir. Right. You killed a chef, bro. You killed a right. chef. Like, why are you calling these people degenerates? <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it was uh, I, someone who definitely worked on the um, Hell to Pay movie had seen this dynamic because they elevated it for Bronze Tiger. Bronze Tiger's story, of course, is, well, yeah. t- we can go to a Hell to Pay episode and you can t- see what we're talking about. But what they do with a member of the squad that has their own code um, is definitely, they go further than they had time for in this movie. Um, and it's it's great. It's 100% worth it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So as I mentioned, there's no comic book connections, but we did talk about the Suicide Squad. Um, I will mention, though, that to definitely, as we kept mentioning, this is connected to the Arkham universe. So please play those games. Those games are awesome. Um, they really help to shape, honestly, I feel like the reason why people like Batman now at this point, because it was one of the first opportunities where people got a chance to play as Batman to this extent. Um, and these games include, and this is the order of their release, we have Batman Arkham Asylum, uh, it was created by Rocksteady, followed by Batman Arkham City, also a Rocksteady game. Uh, fortunately, Rocksteady was unable to produce the game in time, so um, Warner Brothers and DC decided to move over to WB Games um, Montreal's in order to make Arkham Origins. And then finally, we do wrap it up with um, Batman Arkham Knights. It is the, um, the conclusion within the Arkham series. However, it does seem like um, Gotham Knights, this is supposed to be coming out in October of 2022, is supposed to be a continuation of this story. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. But um, if it is anything like what we've seen here from these four games that we've already experienced and now this film to create this like saga of Arkham, I'm excited for it now. Um, this is not a plug, um, not sponsored. I just really am looking forward to play as Red Hood and Nightwing in the game. Yeah, the crowbar level is going to be insane, bro. <laughs> That's boss level DLC content only, though. <laughs> it's, it's just you as Red Hood fighting against a, like a giant crowbar. That's it. <laughs> That's the boss. <laughs> Not a man holding a crowbar. It is impossible to be. It's more impossible than that Lion King game or that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles oh, yeah. game. <laughs> it's like playing Sephiroth in Kingdom Hearts on level one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh yes yes um i'm here for, please make that game along with like filling the potholes in my city please make that game yeah. petition for the crowbar boss in uh the next <laughs> batman game please thank you thank you all right well um i do have one question so far who was your favorite Suicide Squad member of all the Suicide Squad movies that we've seen? And I will include live action into this list, unless you want to keep it animated. No, I think uh, if you go all of every Suicide Squad movie, surprisingly, because I never saw this coming, Ratcatcher 2 is my mm. favorite Suicide Squad member. She's so endearing. She's legitimately on the squad sent to die for a disproportionate crime. Um, she's essentially just a thief and not even maliciously mm -hmm. in a way that Captain Boomerang was. Um, so this this woman is so innocent and so you, you just want to protect her. And the fact that you care about her when she literally hangs out with rats 90% of the time, which is the kryptonite to every New Yorker like like us. <laughs> um, so for me to, to root for you is hard, but you made me do it. And that's why she's my favorite. That's a good, that's a good debate. That's a good, that's a good answer. Good answer. <laughs> good answer, good answer. Good answer, good answer. <laughs> um, I will say for me, live action, I actually, I actually have two. Live action, it is, um, it's Bloodsport. I, oh, yeah. I know, yeah, I know that he's basically the same person as another Suicide Squad character. And no, we're not talking about Peacemaker. Uh, <laughs> we are basically talking about how he wrapped up or continued on the story arc of Deadshot within the first live action film. I just love that scene of him arguing with his daughter. And that for me kind of like solidified, especially the fact that like he could create any weapon really from the armor that he has around him. I just think that's cool. Um, it just really creates so many possibilities and like what can and can't be done in the, in the fight. So live action, it's him. Animated so far from what we've seen, man. I think um I think I'm gonna have to give it to my boy Bronze Tiger, yo. Mm. Bronze Tiger really killed it in Hell to Pay. No, no shame to anybody on this team. You know, this is just like a very introductory team and allowed them to make their way over to the Hell to Pay films. But if I had to give it to anybody it has to be to um bronze tiger he had a great storyline um great character development great arc so definitely would like to see more of bronze tiger in these like suicide squad kind of setup even though you know as we mentioned in our hell to pay film he does die at the end yeah and i also think it's just dope uh, by accident 
that all three of our favorites are characters of color. So it mm. does show that when you have diversity of characters and personalities, you can get some really great stories. So, you know, keep doing that. Um, maybe less Waylon Jones as Killer Croc and more well-developed characters of color. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some, we got some, you know, we got some villains that could join the Suicide Squad. We, we're there too, let's, let, but let's make some more. Not just El Diablo, guys. We don't, we yes, don't need more. <laughs> we, we're good. We're good on El Diablo, though. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, that wraps up today's episode of, um, yeah, another DC anime podcast coverage on Batman Assault on Arkham, which I'm, at this point, just call it the first Suicide Squad movie. Yeah, Suicide Squad <laughs> 1. I'm, I'm, yeah, Suicide Squad 1. We're still going strong through our sweet or sour season with our next film, another um, DC animated production where it's going to be covering since we already covered so many monsters really kind of monster looking beings in our you know in our previous episodes it's time to talk about Justice League gods and monsters uh, uh, basically it is an Elseworlds kind of story that I'm very much looking forward to yeah I don't I don't remember this one so uh, <laughs> we'll see <laughs> yeah so um well, it's it's a good one. I do I did enjoy it, but I will see if it has remained sweet or has soured over time. Um, until then, take care of yourselves and remember: please stop putting my tax dollars towards you know missile sidecars and random levels of flame building or you know lie detector eyes. Like, can can I just get my pothole filled? Yeah, and if Harley Quinn asks you to do the deed with her, just write your will. Because either way, either way, <laughs> you're dead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>